All right, recording has started. Now you're legally, you're legally aware of. Have you done any Zoom things uh, recently? I did one um, a couple weeks ago on uh, when I was in vacation, in vacation on vacation. Uh, oh wow! In, in Hawaii, I did one. Uh, wow. Um, but I, I. It's funny though because I went from. It was like. When they stopped doing them, I'm like, thank God, I never want to do them again. And then when I did, I, you know, when I made $500 on my vacation for 40 minutes in my hotel room, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculously easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I could see that. I don't think many people, you're one of the few people that's like was really getting paid, I think, to do good Zoom shows. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would be doing a... I know I talked to people who are like they liked Zoom open mics and I'm like that's I don't know that's one of those things if you got good at it what is that even a skill I know <laughs> you know I know I saw live I've seen live some people who I know have like kind of thrived in the Zoom world mm -hmm. for comedy and one of them is a person that I've known for a long time that was you know has been like kind of in and out of comedy and it's uh I'm gonna I'm gonna use uh, genderless pronouns to keep it completely anonymous. Okay. Um, they have been uh, that I like. I would say they are fine, and it hasn't improved them. I saw another person that was like really crushing uh, Zoom stuff, like headlining stuff as a very new comic. And then just like trying to do a material very obviously at this open mic, a live yeah. in person open mic. And it was like the timing was no good, uh, long pauses because probably it takes, you know, you, it's all, you're already got to pause for laughter awkwardly sometimes anyway, right? And then yeah. you add in like the lag of the internet connection of everybody on the, on the Zoom call. And this person was, uh, didn't have a great set, I would say. Well, it's interesting because it's the difference between a good set and a great set on Zoom is not much. Mm -hmm. And I think in person it is. You, you know, you can, you, you can leave a Zoom open mic or a Zoom show and be like, yeah, I think that was, uh, you know, because it's not what's, what's killing feel like on a Zoom. Yeah. Also, you know, one other thing about it is, is like, I, some of these people need to learn to feel embarrassed sometimes, you know? Like yes. I, I've bombed a lot and felt rightfully embarrassed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do. I also think that um, I just am, you know, I'm old enough that I don't. There are people who look at open mics almost like they're uh, a scientist. Uh, oh, sure. And it's it's just like whatever the results are. Like I got up there and I, but I am a scientist who, when my experiment uh, is not successful, I feel a deep sense of scientific shame. <laughs> yes, yes. I feel like there's uh, there's people out there raising awareness and people out there searching for the cure. You know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I would like yes. to be one of these people searching for the cure, and when I don't find it, I'm quite upset about it. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I I listen to um, uh, Bennington quite a bit, a show on uh, satellite radio, and he he says that when he interviews comics, he'll say 
he'll say that, you know, you go up there to kill. And I never thought about that concept because it's like, of course, what else would you right. do? But I kind of know what he's saying. Uh, he's not saying it to me, but for the people he's talking to, uh, because there is a difference. There are people who go up and they're, uh, you know, obviously they want it to go well, but it's just a mm-hmm. different s- sort of um, uh there, there. I don't know. There is a, a certain a certain comic who goes up, and I think I'm one of them. Who I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to panic if I don't kill. But at the same time, that's the intended consequence. Any anything less than like, that's why there's all these stupid battle terms of like killing and dying and, and I destroy destroyed, and, <laughs> crushing. You know. But yeah. there, there is that sense of um, even though I love the audience, if they love me. Uh, I do have that when I'm five minutes in and I'm like, oh, this sounds terrible. It's bad, but it, it's like, oh, I own them now. Yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I, I, they didn't know it, but we were fighting and I won. Yeah. But it's now to their benefit. It's their like benefit a broken too. horse basically. Yeah. 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 We're going to be fine. The next, whatever, 40 to 50, whatever minutes we're going to be fine. Yeah. It is a broken horse. Exactly. Where it's yeah. like, um, so there is this weird, uh, you know, and it's not angry. I'm not like, fuck you guys. I will defeat you. But when it happens, it's like, it's almost like the crowd and you relax and you're like, okay. Um, and then it's almost cheating when you try your new stuff. Sure. Because sure. that, that rhythm's been established and they're just like, you know, he talks, we laugh. Here we go. Here we go. And then you sneak something new in and you're like, that shouldn't have really worked. But, yeah, you'll find you the know. false confidence to like you try a tag that night and it works, and then you try it for like weeks because you're like that worked so well that one time, and yeah. then you're like nine months down the road and this tag has eaten shit every time, but you believe in it because one time in February and a you know the yeah. perfect circumstances it worked. You're like, what that sh- what federal way. That room lit the fuck up when I did that line. I'll chase it for six months now. I know. I have That's- I have this one line that I believe in that did well in Seattle, of all places, which is actually a place where I would say good lines go to die a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, it's this line. I mean, you're like, we've seen each other perform a lot. I have a line that I say a lot that doesn't usually get a big reaction which is, I say, uh, I'm going to give you the very coveted male side of child delivery. And I don't, yeah. I think sometimes in like a rowdy environment, they don't realize that like I'm in on the joke, that that's stupid to give the male side of child delivery. I've I've actually, you know, because we work together so many times, there are times the crowd, it's not that they even, they, they just don't even respond. Mm-hmm. They don't understand Sometimes they do, but you know what? I I agree with you. That's one of those lines where you're like to the crowd, you're like, he's saying he's understand. You guys aren't I get following. It. You yeah. are following along. I'll tell okay. I'll tell you my line. I'll tell you mine that I do that annoys me because I wanted to do better. Is I say, uh, I'm not uh, a marriage counselor, and I've been told that by a marriage counselor. Oh yeah, that's a good line. It's one out of three nights it is, you know, <laughs> but it's not like it brings the show to a screeching halt. But in my head, I'm like that. I wanted that to do better, you know? Yeah. I have another line like that. That's so the cat and dog joke that I do 
Um, if by the way, if anyone's listening and hasn't seen, this is very exciting. It hasn't seen me perform. Very exciting to hear about jokes they haven't heard. But I say uh, uh, that I wanted to get a dog because my wife, or no, that my wife and I lived in an apartment building that wouldn't let us have a dog. That's why we wanted a kid. By the way. If I said it like that every night, it would be even worse. I butchered it completely. <laughs> it's slightly more clever than that, the delivery. But that line is literally the catalyst of that joke is I want a kid. It was the first line I thought of, and that was the first joke I ever did on stage. And uh, that line has never done well ever at any point in the history of that joke it's my favorite line in the whole joke it's never done it's never done well at an open mind it's never once done well it should be gone but i'm married to it at this point <laughs> i it's a if you really believe in a line or a joke as a comedian that is a bad sign <laughs> Well, I was thinking about this, though, because I was going to bring this up a second ago, but then we got onto this topic, is you hear those stories about, like, uh, like Chris Rock, and uh, Chris Rock has that N-words versus black people joke that white people love to use to justify saying the N-word. Just joke. say it, you pussy. Just <laughs> Please don't. Uh, yeah. And then Louis C.K., uh, some years later had the joke where he uses the N-word, which is, I don't think, it might not even be the only joke where he uses the N-word, but it's a joke where he yeah. uses the N-word. And in both those cases, I believe that Chris Rock was told, like, that joke's never going to work. And then I believe if the story, if I understand the story correctly, Chris Rock told Louis C.K. that the, his N-word joke was never going to work. Uh, and I those topics are so tough like so polarizing, so third rail to, and I've heard the stories of like both those jokes, as I understand it, these iconic jokes for these guys' careers, yeah. uh, bombed for like a full year. Wow. See, I don't, that, that would have never happened to me because I wouldn't have made it a year. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been, my, my story would have been like, I tried it twice, and then I was like, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially those two. Like, like I have a story that I've been telling that's not going great about my wife almost burning down our apartment. Okay. And the stakes of that are very low because if I tell that joke poorly, I don't get kicked out of my local comedy scene. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yes. get banned from rooms. Yeah. Um. We should talk about your book early. I've been trying to, anytime okay. I have a guest on, I want to get them to talk about like the stuff there that they have to promote early. And then a hundred percent of the time it starts off like this, where I get too far into a convert, com like some conversation right. unrelated. So you have uh, a podcast recently renamed the Rutledge. Mm -hmm. Doesn't um, sound good, does it? I regret that. It's that doesn't sound bad. It sounds a little bit like a, a bed and breakfast somewhere, you know. It really, it really. Welcome to the Rutledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a book called Happiness Isn't Funny, which is the former title of the Rutledge. I think we should point that out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, the things that same feed has seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you just released a book, which we had talked about this, but I guess somehow. Uh, through my own selfishness, I let it sneak past me that you were releasing it like this week or last week, last week. 
Yes. Well, once once I got the stuff, once I realized I could, I just rushed into it because it had taken so long. Uh, yes, uh, I wrote a, I guess, a children's book for adults um, called There's No Fucking Way You're Getting a Pony. Um, you could say it's a ripoff of uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep, and you would be fairly correct. Sure. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it took a really long time to get it out, so I'm I'm finally happy it, it, it came out. But um, all the all the pictures, all the artwork is of uh, of my daughter Olive, but from four years ago when I had the idea. Um, and uh, so I had an artist. Eventually, I had someone. I just paid someone to do artwork. Um, and so yeah, it's uh, available on uh, Amazon. And uh, oh, I should. Now that I'm thinking about it, I should put a link on my website. I don't have that yet. Does anyone go to websites anymore? I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I yeah, mean, you know, it's like one of those things. I almost feel like I should just redirect my website to my Instagram or something like that. You know? Yeah, it is. It's it's professional use now, sort of. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you want to find some of my headshots or right. probably out of date headshots? Uh, yeah. Here's my website, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's. You know, by the time anything comes out, I've really lost all sense of the original idea and whether or not it's funny or if it's terrible. You know what I mean? You just look at it or you're trying to do it over and over again. You know, even even on a smaller level, when you're like trying to edit certain video or a certain five minute set, you're just like, is this even funny? Yeah. I've just been analyzing it so much, you know. I heard this, um, I heard this quote. I, I've in my mind it's attributed to Tom Petty, but it could be somebody else or it could be not him at all, anybody at all. But it's uh Tom Petty used to say, uh, I don't finish albums, the studio takes them from me. And uh, I feel like I'm like, I don't finish projects. I just want them the fuck out of my hands because I'm so goddamn sick of looking at them. There's a couple well, what's uh another good quote is don't let Oh man, uh, don't let the pursuit of perfect get in the way of good. Oh yeah, don't, I've heard it as "Don't make perfect the enemy of good." That's better. That one I think about sometimes in comedy because, or a children's book because it's it's uh, you know you can just tinker forever. Yeah, you can tinker your life away. Uh, and the other thing, I just heard. Uh, I don't even know that much about her, Fran Lebowitz. Do you know okay. Fran Leibowitz? She's I, like a yeah. photographer, and but it was just like some promo for some show she was on, and she said, "I'm misquoting, but this is the general thing." She's like, "The only, <laughs> the only people who say they love writing aren't good at writing." <laughs> Damn, that is actually that is great to hear. And because... <laughs> yeah, partly I wanted to be like, that means I'm good, but <laughs> but the other part of that is like, yeah, because I feel that way. E- I do write, so I feel that about writing, but I also feel that about comedy where there's people who are most of the people who um just love to go to the coffee shop and sit down with their notebook every day. It's just it's they're just jerking off. They're not doing anything. I know. Even I know. the people who are known for writing, like let's say Mark Norman or something, like he doesn't like it. Yeah, I mean he's it makes him miserable. <laughs> Yeah, but he can't. Yeah, 
I yeah, I think there's this thing that happens. I think I mostly escaped this. Uh, and maybe it's because I was trying to like, because I had the right amount of shame and embarrassment. Because comedy is like embarrassing at the early stages. The whole fucking first several yes. years is just so embarrassing. And it's it's your wife showing up to a show and there's four people there and you're going to bomb no matter how good you are or bad you are. Yeah, It's, you know, like... I had a guy that listened, he like read a blog of mine in like the early 2010s, whatever we call that decade. He was early podcast listener and came and saw me the first show I did back after we had our kid, I believe at this, like barely anybody but comics in the crowd show. And I did like 40 minutes off the bench basically. Yeah. And uh, I took it cause it's like, yeah, I want to do all of my material and get it back. Right. He that's the only show he ever came to, and I know he came to that show, and he's like, "Why the fuck is he even pursuing this?" You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I have. Yeah, he some... sees your posts, and he's like, "He's still going." Yeah, he's like, "It must take nothing to be a bookable comedian, like no <laughs> talent at all." Uh, and I've been able to at least avoid those, like the trappings of like uh, the like. Oh man, I'm trying to, I'll shit on this one because a lot of people do it and I think they deserve to know that it's stupid, is the thing where they take a picture of like the stage before the show and they go, this is tonight's office. Like, oh, you're the first off, you're one of a thousand comedians who did that today, okay? Uh, second off, like, it's not a fucking office. You're, stop, stop with this. Yeah. And also, they always take that picture before the show, so you can't see the 18 people in a room that holds 350, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can't see how similar to an office it sounded in there. Hey, how come no one showed up to the office today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I, uh, there's a couple others that I are too specific, but I'm happy to say I'm off that I make fun of. This, I make fun of the specific person for to their face, but I guess I don't need to broadcast it to the 30 people that listen to this podcast. Can I say um, one? I hope I don't know if this is anyone. Oh, man. I'm just going to say it. So hopefully it doesn't hit anyone that I know. Um, I'll just acknowledge I do some weird shit, too. But the picture of the notebook. Yeah, that's one that I was going to say and was omitting because it is. For oh, shit. <laughs> shit. Just like here's it, the magic, folks. It's, it's right somebody here. that we know and I like, but I know better than you do. Okay. And I will tell you who it is after the podcast <laughs> okay. because you you literally could not have hit the bullseye oh, no. harder on what I was trying to avoid talking about. <laughs> I'm not editing this out. Oh but, shit! Then, by the way, the guy's a fine comic, and but yeah, like the. To me, the thing is, I think a lot of times people don't love writing. They love the idea of other people seeing them write, right? Like my, my mom, for example, when she posts uh, on, she's a classic example of a person who posts only the best moments of her life through the rosiest glasses on social media, right? And... I know that the truth is not that because she told me something different the exact day she posted yeah. that thing. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and I think that that's like, uh, I think that 
for comedy, it's like some of this shit is like, it's the people who want to be like cool instead of funny are like, they said that seems to be a growing group, you know? Yeah. These are, these are things that, um, that sort of, uh, you know, I'm a youthful 47. Um, <laughs> actually, I feel in some ways a youthful 47, in some ways like a, a mental 68. Uh, <laughs> I have hair, but my brain is like <laughs> almost Alzheimer's occasionally. Um, but it's that... Just the different waves that you see when you've done comedy 20 years of like, um, there was, you know, the alt comedy, which isn't a term you hear anymore. Right. Uh, but it was just sort of like the Patton Oswald, you know, Maria Bamford sort of brand of comedy. But then that trickles down to like the open mic level. And it was like, it was interesting, but it was like that. I'm not blaming the top of those people, but that turned very arrogant that was sure. like Patton Oswald is telling you he's not cool right that's part of what's so funny about him yeah and so but, like this it's almost this arrogant nerd comedy got me where I'm like what is this right I don't even understand I don't like an arrogant jock perspective either there's that thing where you're like that that person's what had they won everything else and they needed to conquer comedy now what the fuck right. are they doing here you know so it, it is it is weird though to uh to just see the uh uh the different not that you have to go on stage and be like oh, i'm the biggest piece of shit that ever lived and i you know i've never had a win in my life and uh but it is yeah it is this weird there are times where you watch someone's act and you go do you just want us to think you're cool yeah, I I talked to uh, Kermit Apio, mutual friend Kermit Apio. I'll I'll name drop the celebs in my life. <laughs> you should. Um, I did a set with him, and I I hadn't. It was actually right before I uh, headlined Tacoma Comedy Club for the first time. We did a brunch show together, and I emceed. And I don't. I mean, Kermit's probably. I don't know if I ever have done a show with Kermit. What do we got there? Make sure. I'm glad you're covering the label, so I don't get a, uh, you know, some sort of copyright infringement. <laughs> Uh, that we got oh, the Gabriel Rutledge special. Yeah, we got to make a little ultra. Um, I'm I'm so loopy right now because I go I I don't I basically didn't sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, my fl I went to I left for the airport at 3 a.m. Slept on a few flights, and then when I got here, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. When I got here, I crashed for like 90 minutes, and then I just woke up like I don't know where I am. I don't know what time <laughs> of day it is. I don't know. <laughs> Let's throw some domestic light beer on top of it and see what happens. Yeah. I, so Kermit Apio, he hadn't, I bet he hasn't seen my act ever. If he has, it's been like, it was like a short show. I'm trying to even think if we ever have done a show together, but oh no, we did actually, right. He saw me feature in like a rowdy room in Yelm. And I don't think it was, again, it's like, if that was the only time Kermit had ever seen me, yeah. his opinion was probably like, yeah, he's fine. Like not, there's nothing special. I didn't see any, and I had like a good, you know, a good set in front of him. And he, and he said, uh, you're very self-deprecating and I don't see that very often anymore. And I, I'm not like a, first off, I don't believe that I hate the, like, I don't believe that you can only punch up in comedy. I think that's like complete bullshit. Yeah, of um, course. 
I, so I'm not, that's not the reason I'm self-deprecating. I just think it's the funniest, maybe it's selfish. Like I want to get the laugh on both ends, you know, like I, yeah, laugh at me and with me, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, the, the, it feels like this is kind of like what's happened in the world is it's like the, we went from like jocks are cool to like, oh, nerd shit is actually okay also. And we can be arrogant about it and call you stupid. So now like the nerds are now the bully jocks, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. it's like this full, like the meek have inherited the earth and they're not doing a great job with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> they're not that doing part, any better than the jocks were. That part wasn't in the Bible. The meek shall inherit the earth and also be assholes. That wasn't mentioned. <laughs> Can yeah, I the, tell you a very, a very quick Kermit Pio non-judgmental story? Cause please. he's a, He's like notoriously uh, like the nicest guy in comedy. He had a seven year period where he was trying an N word bit. Is that what we're going to get? <laughs> he just stuck with it. Yeah. He he kept saying, I'm Hawaiian. I'm allowed. And I was like, no, Kermit, you're not. <laughs> uh, we were at the Tulalip Casino, which mm. was, it, you know, a Northwest Everett area casino gig that went forever the host i was middling kermit was headlining this is a thousand years ago but it just sums them up so perfect the host i'd never saw before or since that's a weird thing that happens in comedy where you're like i thought i knew every northwest who is this person and then you never see them you're like what was the first time they tried comedy hosting at a rural casino but (laughs) he bombed he was filthy just so filthy he bombed so bad it was so awkward and i'm standing next to kermit and he just looks at me and he goes well he's uh he's got a long way to go (laughs) (laughs) that's the sweetest way to say someone is horrific yes yeah it was it was almost the northwest hawaiian equivalent of bless his heart uh. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Kermit has a lot in common with because uh, with uh, Southern women, which is also his love for pie. Is the other the that's other an, thing. yes another that's also that's true. Maybe the only other thing, but I felt like I could get a jab in on the pie. Um, yeah, it, some of those people too. They trickle past the hosting. There's like some headliners. We've talked about a headliner who. The only reason I hesitate to say his name is because he somehow got your number and called you without ever having met you. So who knows where, how how deep his tentacles reach, you know? <laughs> but you, I think you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, he's got a, oh boy, how could I describe him without um, spiky hair, very spiky hair. Um, okay. Do you think you know? Can I hold on? Let me see if I can type it into this chat so that I think I know, but I don't know how to guess without. Yeah, let me if, look at your computer and see if the chat pops okay. up. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that guy <laughs> yeah. makes me go like I, the same guy, the same two guys who have booked the shows that I've worked with him on. I can't like advance with them easily you know what i mean like i've not tried incredibly hard with either one but i'm like 
how is it that that guy just keeps like circulating through? He's got dates every year in mm-hmm. this area, these exact rooms, you know, keeps running through. And I'm not saying I need to be the guy that gets the chance. Just how does he keep getting those opportunities? Right. How did yeah. he reach that? I, what, that's the thing that I'm wondering is like, how do you reach that level now where you're like unknown, but dependable enough that you can do like, uh, bad sports bar in north of seattle you know what i mean well i think it's i think it's harder than it used to be to be one of those people mm-hmm. <laughs> it's harder than it used to be to be a comedian that every other comedian hates <laughs> i'm like, trying to take that title actually <laughs> there is there is some success i've often thought about that there's been very few times in my career where people go rutledge got that are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and that's that's how I know I haven't been that lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it it it's harder to be that just like journeyman comedian who gets booked because they've been around a while. But it that's always such a frustrating thing where it's like because bookers are always like, hey, it's a numbers game. I only have uh, I only have uh, so many uh, spots. Right. And then you're like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense and. And then you see, you know, some of these names we're talking about and you're just like, but, but, <laughs> but why them? Right. You, you know what I mean? Like why they're not, they, you know, there's even when I used to work at Harvey's comedy club in Portland, Oregon, a rest in peace, maybe it'll come back in some form at some day. Maybe. But uh, I literally worked with a guy there because the guy who used to book it and own it was very much like, these are the relationships I have. And if I book someone new, it's going to come from these relationships. It's going to be a recommendation. And so there was there was a time where Harvey's headliners, I mean, I swear a third of them would have to come out of retirement to do the show. They, <laughs> I worked with a guy, I can't remember his name, Ed something, I would say it, but he was the kind of guy who like 10 minutes into his set, would remove his hat and then you realize the long hair was attached to the hat yes uh to the delight of the room sure um and he told me he's like hey <laughs> i think i can say all this shit at this point but he's like hey uh don't tell barry or anything but i haven't i've been retired for three years <laughs> He's like, I, I live in like this uh, like mobile home out in the woods uh, in like, I can't remember, like Kansas or something. He's like, Barry calls me and I'm like, yeah, I'll go to Portland for a week. I'll, I'll have a vacation. I'll dust sure. off the old act. And like, so it's like, there's that thing where there was a time where you just, you got your act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The first 60 minutes that occurred to your brain. You rode that out for the next 20, 30 years, and you just, and that time is gone yeah. uh, more than it used to be. It's still kind of hanging on, but it's, it's, um, because you don't see that at the club level that often. You don't see, like, yeah. how is that guy here every year? And, you know, um, because there's some. If you see it at the club level, and I'm speaking very specifically about a local club, that's not a club, that's a place that's calling itself a club yeah it's not a club right like yeah the the 
yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think that there's like part of me that's like those guys can want Can you guys just quit, please? Like, could you do it for them? Like, what are you, what are you hanging on to? Like, especially the guy that I put in there, those gigs I'm talking about. It's not like, like I've heard people say like, oh, Jay Leno is still doing jokes that are like from the nineties. Fine. Let him. Yeah. But he's making a hundred grand. Yeah. 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 I could understand when you're making $600 <laughs> and you need, you got to buy a fucking plane ticket with that $600. That's a yeah. different equation, right? Yes. And a lot of these, a lot of these people that I'm thinking of, and it's sort of, you know, going the way of the Buffalo. It's not, as prevalent as it used to be there was it was like people who like would never fly right where it was they would just be like oh i got a bed in my van mm -hmm. i gotta you know it was just like they were just i'm not saying it was a good life but that's how busy they were right where it was just you know i got these connections and i can i can work these one-nighters forever you know they're selling 48 things after the show eventually they're <laughs> the merch just keeps growing and growing and, and growing the shot glasses and you know everything else uh and i that is kind of going away but it it is this weird i i have responded jokingly to a booker email when they gave me this standard i only have 52 headlining weeks a year i'd have to bump someone I responded jokingly, but I wasn't really joking. I responded, let me see your 52. I'll tell you who I should replace. <laughs> and they were just yeah. like, ha ha, you know, but I'm like, I'm not fucking kidding. Like, yeah, <laughs> because they act like, hey, you know, if I get I can't get rid of any of these people. And then you're like, again, it's not. When they're saying I only have 52 headliners a year, it's not Bill Burr they're talking about. Right. I think it's excusable when you're like, oh, that, that person might suck as a stand-up, but people like them and buy tickets. Mm -hmm. That's excusable. But yeah, the place we're talking, the place I'm talking about, the places I assume you're talking about, it's not, yeah, they're not, you're not saying like, oh, I mean, I, I'm, to even say a comedian might be insulting. You're not like, oh, Jeff Foxworthy should go away, who's actually defend Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy a little bit. But uh, you're not saying that. You're saying, no, you know. No, no, I'm not saying, hey, I'm funnier than that person is successful. Mm -hmm. Because a lot, of <laughs> a lot of comedians try that route too, where like, why are they booking all these people that sell out every show? I'm funnier than them. It's like, well, you're really showing your stupidity right now because I understand yeah. that. I, I understand. A, I had a person. Oh man, maybe this is an off the podcast conversation. Yeah, I'll save it for off the podcast. <laughs> it'll be it'll be brief, but it was like it was somebody that like really showed you'll you know occasionally you meet someone. I actually think I was probably one of these people that was just like emotionally mature for comedy, and. Uh, then occasionally, and I would I would say I've done this also. You, they like show their naivete, like yeah. Uh, like I remember, I used to be like, "Why are there no showcase clubs in this area?" And it's like, "Oh, the reason is is because we don't have enough good comics for that, and they're uh, like the New York showcase clubs. All those comics would be our best headliners here, right?" And we don't have enough of them to headline our clubs, let alone to, to you know, do 15 minutes 
four times a week at our clubs. Yeah, it it's not the showcases would not be a New York showcase. If you're a comedy fan, people right. show up and you're like, "Holy shit, so and so's here!" Yeah, you know, and, and so and so, and the other so and so. There's like three so and sos on this show. Yes, and we yeah. don't even we did that tenth anniversary Tacoma Comedy Club show. Was that yeah. this year? Yes. Jesus, man, <laughs> I don't. Time is gone. Uh, and it was like it was like a really fun show, but it still wasn't like. There was not really anyone in the crowd who was like, man, this is the Northwest All-Stars. Yeah. What a night. <laughs> you know? Uh, so it is, it is, it is, uh, you know, w- when an audience member says to a comedian, they like, you're super funny. How come you're not headlining this club? Or you're, how come you're not on Netflix or whatever? I understand that. But when a fellow comedian is like, Look, we all bitch and grouse about some YouTube star who's headlining and what, but you have to understand it on mm-hmm. some level. They're trying to sell chicken strips and <laughs> Michelob Ultras, and they can sell more of those when they're there. Like, how do you, you have to be able to understand that on some level of just like, you know, you can't just be like, uh, why aren't, why aren't they running? their business with this really expensive lease and liquor license like it's an artistic experiment why aren't they doing that yeah i just want to show you why this podcast is not going on video this time do you see this (laughs) i got the air conditioner off and i fucking oh my god this is fucking horrific is that the olympia coffee it does yeah that's a it's an olympia-based coffee company we have where is that There's like four of them down there. It's the best coffee in uh, Washington State. My Olympia coffee shirt, for the people that are never going to see this, who's everybody, has Uh, a straight, like, across the middle (laughs) bar of tit sweat that I was like, oh, that must be a shadow. There's no way that's sweat this whole time. And I lifted my arms up, and the bar moved, and it's fucking (laughs) disgusting. See, Kermit, what choice does he have? He has to be (laughs) self-deprecating. You have an Olympia coffee shirt. I have a St. Martin's University shirt. This is a very South Sound represented. True. True. Uh, <laughs> I found out that uh, there's this meat company called Olympia Provisions that's based okay. in Portland. Never been like in that. Olympia. It's it's named after some like Roman shit or Greek shit, whatever. Oh, Olympia. okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what uh, this... Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, the people, yeah. I uh, I have kind of been like, you know, we've seen some consolidation of talent in our region, comedy club-wise. Sure. And it, it used to be pretty often, like, go show up at the club. You're probably, you know, one out of four times you'll get a guest spot, uh, be able to get in free, sit in a pretty good seat if you want to, hang out in the back. Uh, now... It's like, well, we added four shows this weekend because whatever YouTube star or whatever is there. So, no, you can't do a guest spot. They brought an opener, and we barely – we had to bump our feature down to MC. Yeah. And uh, no, you can't sit in the back because every booth is overfilled or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, Of course, to the legal capacity, not – I'm not outing anybody. Yeah. yeah, it's just changed, and I'm like, you know, I think that that shit that's like the 
and also the clubs some of the clubs here also really care about they're not just bringing in exclusively shitty big sellers right like they care about the product that's going on the stage but i think the best clubs do the best clubs even though they have you know they're gonna book someone who will sell tickets obviously i think they yeah. do try to curate a certain uh you know what they want for their club and a certain level of talent and the best clubs do care the best clubs care too much yeah, you know true. they overanalyze their booking like we overanalyze our our, our jokes you know yeah. really good clubs are like they spend time figuring out like who should open for me right like oh we got i think this is a perfect match and I'm just like, what? I mean, I'll follow a juggler. What are we talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple. I mean, I've had a couple times where they're like, no, you're not a good fit with this person. We're like, I'll get bumped. This is probably actually a sign of a very good club is I'll get I'll find out that the headliner changed and they're like, yeah, sorry. So you're not booked that weekend anymore. And I'm like, oh, really? Like I I mean, with Mike Epps, it's happened. And I know I know, by the way. First off, I'm sure Mike Epps brings his own guy. Uh, but also, I'm not a great fit for Mike Epps. I understand that. I I just got... I got... I was going to do something at Tacoma Comedy Club that was like a headline a couple days, middle a couple days. And then that's what was offered to me, but I said no. And then those dates got canceled. So oh, four okay. days later, I texted back and said, I'm sure it's not available anymore, but just in case. And they were like, well, I can pitch you to just middle for Damon Wayans Sr. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then it was like two days later. Sorry. And I'm like, I don't, I just, I just felt like I lost something. What just, yeah. what just I hate this. I didn't even want to do it anyway. I know. I've had a... Uh... I got pitched for Whitney Cummings, which I talked about on this podcast, and Sam Marill, and then our mutual friend Ron on Hirschberg. So I, I had this like, I mean, I have these like things. I will allow my when something exciting is potentially going to happen. I will allow my mind. I remember the time I I submitted a writing packet one time for this show called. Uh, black and white on Annie. In retrospect, it was so far away from what you might want out of a writing packet. Like I've since actually researched what goes into a writing right. packet. It was way off. I was pricing rent in New York. When I <laughs> not an exaggeration. Not an exaggeration. So I I almost get booked to work with Whitney Cummings and it's 10 limited capacity sold out shows at Spokane Comedy Club. And uh, I'm like, not only is, am I going to make five grand is what was my, that was my estimate on merch sales and, and show pay. Not only am I going to make five grand, she's going to like me so much. She's going to take me on the road with me by this time next year. My daughter is going to be calling her aunt Whitney. And she picked a guy from Portland. Who's probably fine. I've never seen him perform. I don't, I have no doubt that he's fine. And then our pal Ron on Hirschberg opened for her at Magoobies in Maryland. And I was like, oh, when she comes to Portland, for sure she'll have the guy that she chose 
to open for her in Spokane that's from Portland to open for her. No, Ron on Hirschberg goes to Portland. He's living my dream, except for he doesn't have a daughter to call her Aunt Whitney, you know? Uh, <laughs> he, he just calls her Aunt Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the deal. That's part of the contract. Uh, so I've had like a couple of those disappointments um, where, yeah, it's like, I, but in both cases, it's like, not only was I going to make a lot of money, but I was also going to have to, in both cases, I was booked to work out of town that weekend or maybe work in town or whatever, but it was going to be like, okay, on short notice, like literally 24 hours notice, turn your entire life upside down because you're like, I can't miss, this might be the opportunity that I need. Like, this might be the thing. You don't know what it's going to be, but if I'm going to say what it might be, there's a better probability that it's uh, working with Whitney Cummings, this this like woman who has four specials. She's executive produced a bunch of shows. She's written on everything. She's made movies. Her versus like, uh, you know, some fucking Gabriel Rutledge show in Everett or whatever. The, right. No, but, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm being sarcastic, but the, I get it. But the like, there's uh, whatever it was. And I actually think it was like, I, d- I said your name because I don't want to say who the actual person was because it would be uh, uh, very insulting to that person. But um, yeah, like I, w- I actually did the Todd Royce and Friends in Arizona. And it was like, I could do Todd Royce and Friends or go work with Sam Marill in Oklahoma City. I mean, we both agreed. Todd and I both agreed. Like, yeah, take that yeah. fucking, if you can go there and work with a comic that's like, not only do I like, I like Whitney Cummings comedy. I like, uh, Sam Merrill's comedy, but yeah, I'm also going to make a shitload more money there than splitting an Airbnb in and, you know, taking a portion of the show pay or whatever at, uh, a Todd Royce and friends. Well, that's what's so look most, almost everything leads to nothing, but it could, it could. And so that's it. It's like you don't know. Uh, and also there's so many no's in comedy that if right. you just thinking about even the possibility of a yes, you're like, this is going to change everything. And I did the same thing when I, you know, I've been headlining forever, but it's like I was going to middle for Ron White. Yeah. And I'm like, he's going to love me. How could he not love me? I'm going to be on some sort of like Showtime Ron White Presents show. I feel it. I'm already there, dude. Yeah. I'm, You're I'm already, already getting fitted for cowboy boots. <laughs> they call me Ambrosia Salad. <laughs> I'm Ambrosia working salad, on my new pitch. Is that, a, is that like watermelon and marshmallows or some shit I, like that? Yeah, it's. I've never ate one that I thought would. It's. It's too much going on at the same time. Really. Yeah. It's. I feel like ambrosia salad is the 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 sixty nine of salads. There's too much happening. <laughs> I can't concentrate <laughs> on receiving or giving pleasure. Yes, exactly. This is wet and fruity. What is happening in this salad right now? Is that a marshmallow? Come on. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, uh, the funny thing about that is that I'm, I think you're aware of this, but that gig got moved, uh, into August or whatever. Like that's, that's bounced around. Everything is so uncertain right now. Right. Like the, 
I was supposed to open for Pete Lee a couple weeks ago, and then we've both worked with this booker, and she seems very uh, nice and honest. And she's like, you know, tickets aren't selling well; it gets postponed, etc. She tries to debut a show in the middle of August or the end of August. That's or sorry, end of July. That's yeah. difficult. That's a tough, tough chore. Very. Um. Yeah, and then like I ended. So that was actually what's funny about that weekend is so i was supposed to open for chris porter in spokane that weekend and then i got bumped by mike epps and then uh a guy that i had had on my podcast got booked for sorry then i got booked for bobcat goldthwaite this coming weekend then i got booked for pete lee that weekend and i was like well shit i'm now it's like i've filled in both weekends that's awesome pete lee gets canceled and then this dude named mike cannon who did my podcast a long time ago, who I like a lot. I like his comedy and we got along pretty well and would have gotten along well in Spokane. I'm sure he gets booked. I will say a little bit on my recommendation. Like the person who booked him was aware that he'd been on my podcast and was like, is he good? And I was like, yeah, he's great. Check out this YouTube special that he put out. And, uh, they were like, do you want to go work with him? And I had rearranged my whole life already multiple times to, to, accommodate all the changes already and so i said no and then the pete lee thing gets changed and i have turned down gigs this weekend because i'm going to i've turned down at least two full weekends of gigs for this specific weekend because i'm in spokane which i want to be in spokane that's where i wanted to be yeah but uh yeah it's just it's just a an insane carousel of bullshit right now because you if you would have yeah, of course your wife would have been mad that you were going to skip your son's graduation and go work with Ron White. Of course. But now you wouldn't have even had to. It's true. I know. It it did. Uh, I will I will point out uh, when it rescheduled, I was not offered the rescheduled week. I will point that out. Yeah. It, I, I know who got it, and I know that that person went with the gig. It, uh, That's fine. That's fine. It's. I mean, where I am right now, in Little Rock, Arkansas, I was here last year, almost, to, I think last week, a year ago, I was here. Whoa. And I remember uh, I was hoping it got canceled. Mm-hmm. I was I was sending like emails to the booker like, hey, almost like I was hoping he would say I have to cut your money. And so I could have a way. I wanted out. I wanted out. But he did not give me the out. So I came, it was like, you know, a stressful time to travel. It was, uh, you know, not that many people at the shows and I am back a year later and don't get me wrong. It's better, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it's kind of depressing because I'm like, the guy's like, yeah, we're not doing that great as far as attendance because Arkansas, their vaccination rate is super low mm-hmm. you know Everyone's it's dead in arkansas yeah it's he's like people are kind of freaked out right now uh so he's like i'm not you know keep your expectations low and it's like you look i'm not it's better than it was a year ago but i'm like i can't fucking believe i'm still like dealing with this sort of uh uh thing and uh it's, I don't know. It makes me wish. 
It makes me wish I was in a business where, look, it's affected everything. Of course, everyone hates coronavirus. We're all mentally frazzled, and I understand that. But to be in a business where I was like, I just got to go to work, but I had to wear a mask or, <laughs> you know, or uh, – but to be in like almost, uh, I was going to say front line, but that's not, I don't mean like a doctor or a nurse. I just mean like the first thing to go. I'm in the first thing to go business. You know, it's non-essential, you know? Yes. So it's like, I've lost shows again. Mm -hmm. I had like three shows cancel. Uh, so it's not at all like it was in March, 2020, but it's just like to have that happen again, it's just so depressing. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to be like, is this, oh, we're just going to go up and down on this forever. And yeah, and I know. think you and I, I sent you a thing earlier this week. Like it feels to me, and you might've said this exact thing on your podcast or alluded to something similar. I also, I want to, I want to diagnose the last podcast. You were coming back from a show, right? Talking into your earbud. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Which, by the way, I've thought about doing that a lot. And then you just, I just think of all the drivers watching. I know they don't know I'm talking to myself. They might think I'm talking on the phone, but I have to look fucking insane. You oh, I'm I mean? sure. I'm sure. And because I'm not, the thing about doing a, I'm never letting the other person, if I'm on a phone call, I'm never letting the other person talk. Okay. Like I'm just talking over them the whole time. Yeah. If there was a car next to me in traffic, they would be like, does he let the other side talk ever? Just <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, he, what he's singing seems way out of tune. <laughs> but I want to diagnose. Uh, my guess is two beers at the the garage you performed in. No, no beers. Zero beers. Zero beers. You had a you had a a, a feistiness of well, I the, I think I've only seen it like in a hotel room uh, after yeah. some shows that, that cause, but I also will say, I agree with you because the, we, you and I both uh, on record don't like Donald Trump on record. Sure. Uh, I voted exclusively for Democrats, my entire voting life, but this, the media has this like gap to fill now that Trump's gone. And now that COVID has begun to subside, that like every single possible metric is showing that the world is so much safer in measurable and material ways than it was last year. And that's with people have like gone, have returned to their normal lives in a lot of cases. Like, you know, a year ago, the number, what the numbers represented was mostly people, at least in these blue states in quarantine of some type, you know? Yeah. And now people are like living their normal lives and the numbers are still like several fold better than last year at the same time. And summer was the low time of last year. Right. And we're still being fed this like fear mongering bullshit, uh, not bullshit. I mean, it's still like, it still has not become quote unquote the flu, right. but it's very likely most of that is not like you, you and I are both vaccinated. We both kicked old people out of line stole their id yes and took their vaccines out of their arms and got vaccinated very early because i believe in the results of the vaccine and the results of the vaccine are fucking working like it's happening it's 
And so what you're seeing is, I think more than anything, you still see these like, uh, you'll see like this death rate or whatever, but you're, you're seeing a blend of everybody returned back to normal life. Right. And you're seeing a blend of vaccinated and unvaccinated people where the eventual hope, this is what people don't understand. The eventual hope is that the majority of cases are vaccinated people, not unvaccinated people, that they're vaccinated people. That would be great True. news for this country. True. If the majority of cases were vaccinated people. Yeah. And so, yeah, this like the death rate, the case fatality rates going down, the uh, positivity rates going up, but the testing rate is going down and still the case fatality rates going down. Like everything is pointing to we are making enormous progress compared to last year. And that's not look, I'm not. Of course, they should be reporting that the Delta variant is is spiking right now. Of course, that is part of the story. There are certain, I think, <laughs> at one point, Arkansas had eight ICU beds left in the fucking state or something. Oh, yeah. Of course, it's not like I want them to ignore that. But part of the story has to be that I can't, it's not that no one's dying, but hardly anyone is dying. Right. And that's, I also that's vaccinated <clears throat> that's vaccinated. Well, that, but even just the sure. actual numbers of like, there was a time it was 10,000 Americans a day were dying. No, it never got to that high. I think, I think we hit 10,000 a day for like at the most. I think the most it ever was, was still less than 5,000. Really? Yeah. But it's, but it's you might still, be right. but the, the, I'm going to pull it up right now. What we're at right now. Uh, live. I'm actually counting deaths as they come in. I have a feed to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> America's favorite pastime. Let's see. Uh, it'll, it'll take a moment to pop up. By the way, I, I have a slightly modified setup for my computer, and it is just on fire right now. Uh, 657 yesterday. So, But, I mean, still, we're talking, like, close to, like, it's probably, like, a quarter as many deaths or or a fifth as many deaths as last year this time and that's because there's still a lot of people who are unvaccinated like that's and the, also that's we're pretty much fully open everywhere right and that's 657 and it was like much worse during shutdowns it was you know mm -hmm. and it's so i'm not you know and i know that death isn't the only bad thing about coronavirus there's long-term things that can happen and i understand that but i just it's uh my the feistiness is my own uh the feistiness i had in that podcast is just my own frustration about uh just since march 2020 just the unknown of my fucking career and uh <clears throat> but it's also um i don't i don't quite understand if this is if this is if this is the way we're talking now about what's happening, uh, are we just going to keep talking this way forever? Right. About coronavirus, because I thought the general idea was there's not really there's an ending to this eventually where it's maybe it is the flu or maybe you take a yearly whatever. We don't really know yet, uh, obviously, but it's like. 
if we can get coronavirus manageable, if we can get it down to whatever, hopefully less than even the 500 something, 700 people that are dying yesterday or whatever, it's like, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but I'm just admitting if 700 people are dying a day, that's not enough for me to ruin my life. Right. <laughs> right. Because people die, you know, and I feel like I'm saying this right now and they're going to play this at my fucking memorial. Uh, <laughs> well, but no, this is the thing. This is what bothers me is I've worn the mask. I'd, I'm fine. I still, by the way, like I actually don't think it's needed to wear a mask anymore uh, as a vaccinated person. But if I go into a grocery store and the staff is wearing masks, I'm wearing a mask. If sure. I go into a grocery store and the staff isn't wearing masks, I don't feel like I need to wear a mask. I'll do that. I'll do, um, you know, I think social distancing, we should probably keep that around for a while. That's fine for like, a, I mean, at the grocery store specifically, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think that... Uh, there's like things that I will do because they make people feel more comfortable. I think that also it is pretty wild and we're maybe derailing too far into this, this late into the podcast and this close to my computer dying. Um, people should be, I do think that, uh, I'm not like I got a vaccine on purpose. I wanted it. I got it. I get why people are worried about it. Yeah. You know? Sure. There's, there, there's, historical i mean it's it's a little frustrating because in general we just do what our doctor says or we at least accept right you know even if the doctor says you should lose weight we don't go like you're full of shit we just go like well that sounds hard <laughs> uh but but you know it, it, i get that pharmaceutical companies are bad companies i get all that but at the same you know when i got my kids measles vaccine i didn't say who made it I didn't say, is this Moderna? Is this five? It's like, we have to have some. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't even care about masks. I, I don't want to wear a mask, mm -hmm. but if, it, if everywhere I worked was like, you have to wear a mask the whole time, not performing, but like in the room, I'd be like, fine. As long as we don't cut capacity again, right. fine. But it's, it's not forever. But it's like, you know, it's just frustrating because, man, three weeks ago, maybe four, it was like, you're vaccinated, live your life, mm -hmm. do what you want, shit's back on, everything's great. And then cut to three or four weeks later, they're showing the pictures of Lollapalooza. Look at this super spreader event. Right. Look at this. And I'm like, what? We were just told we could. Yeah, Lollapalooza, the classic conservative gathering of anti-vaxxers. <laughs> I know. It's just, I just, so when I, when all that stuff is coming back, but really it's more personal where I'm just like, I don't, to wake up to two emails and a text that are like, yeah, I have an abundance of caution. We're going to get rid of this show. We're not doing, I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I'm just tired. I'm just tired of, uh, of, uh having to factor it in and I'm tired of, uh, you know, I, I'm also tired of every, I'm tired of, although I'm not, I'm vaccinated. If I get sick, all the odds say I'll be okay. 
but it's also like that aspect of like I still have in my head if I get sick on Little Rock, what do I do? Do I have to get a hotel room for 10 days? Do I come home? Do I rent a car and drive home? I still have those things in the back of my head where it's just like, man, this is an exhausting way to live. And I, it's been more than a year and a half. And, uh, so that, you know, that's, it wasn't the alcohol that made me angsty. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, I was just being honest in my frustrations. Um, not, and I've never been a, the whole thing's a hoax guy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying, uh, um, you know, it's all bullshit or, you know, it, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just like, I just feel like we're not having honest conversations. And uh, I think people always think that misinformation is only coming from one side and it's pretty obviously coming from both sides. And that's in Seattle where we live. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even my gig, but our, like my friend, uh, Andrew Rivers, he, he had a place go, uh, we're going to do 50% capacity. And he's like, why? And they're like, well, we just think that's where things are headed. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. So preemptively, as a private business, you're going to cost yourself money. You're going to be like, we're just going to do that. I, I just don't. That part of it is kind of weird to me um, where it's like a, a, that's like a very the most Seattle thing you could think of, really, is a, a, a a venue taking it upon themselves to be like, we're going to make our own precautions based on nothing other than, we feel, you know. That's how we feel like it's going to end up. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm in a little bit of a better place than I was when I podcasted. <laughs> but uh, it is, it it's, you know, I am, uh, it is just, you know, it's been a draining life for everyone. And uh, I, I will, but also, um, I think musicians even had it worse than comedians. But in general, the entertainment industry has just been a brutal fucking whatever it is, 20 months or something. I'm going to end it there so I can plug my computer back.